0: And so as we work our way through chapter 35, uh, we'll read a section, talk about it, and then come to another one. So to begin with, I would like to find somebody that would read for us 35, 1 through 7.
1: Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and live there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you. When you fled from your brother Esau, So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods which are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments and let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods They had and the rings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem. As they journeyed, there was a great terror upon the cities which were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. He built an altar there and called the place El Bethel because there God had revealed himself to him when
0: he fled from his brother. Okay, thank you. And so as we look at these verses, God once again appears to Jacob. They've just had the situation uh, with Dinah, and Jacob has said, we're going to get wiped out. He's operating out of fear to an extent. But God comes to Jacob and says, Arise, go to Bethel and live there. And make an altar to God who appeared when you fled Esau. So he's been here before. Let's look at Genesis 28 and read 10 through 20. Let's remind ourselves, and we'll be referring to the, to the uh, oath that Jacob makes here a little bit later. But what's going on, this is Jacob has just left um, his home with Isaac. His mother and his brother Esau, to some extent he's on the run, but he's also given a mission to go find for himself a wife from the family back in the older country. And um, at his an early stop, God appears to Jacob here at Bethel again. So let's read Genesis 28, 10-20 and see how that worked out. Genesis 28, 10-20.
2: Meanwhile, Jacob left for Sheba and set out from Haran. on reaching a certain place Sun had set, and taking one of the stones from that place, he put it over his head and lay down to sleep. And Jacob had a dream about a ladder that rested on the earth with its top reaching up to heaven, and God's angels were going up and down the ladder. And there at the top the Lord was standing and saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you now lie. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and east and north and south. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob woke up, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was unaware of it.
1: And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This
2: is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar. He poured oil on the top of it, and he called that place Bethel, though previously the city had been named Then Jacob made a bow, saying, If God will be with me and watch over me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I may return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God and the stone i have set up as a pillar will be god's house and all that you give
0: me i will surely give you. The time. Okay, thank you. And so Jacob is being asked to go back where he had been before. Now when Jacob made the trip from uh, Beersheba and on his way to Haran and stopped here this is the first time we see a clear interaction between god and Jacob. However, Jacob, this is not the first time Jacob has been the subject of God's conversation. How else had God set aside Jacob? You remember? This is an easy one. Goes back to when he was born. Before they were born, um, um, Rebekah was told something about these twins in her womb. What was she told? The older will serve the younger. So Jacob was selected. It's a little bit like what we talked about from Romans 9 about Jacob's selection. (laughs) There was another statement made to Rebecca at that time that concerned both of the boys. Do you remember that? Jacob, I will
2: hate Esau, or Jacob, I will love Esau.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: Something about the two nations.
0: Yes, there are two nations in your womb, and as we go through this chapter and the next one we're going to be seeing how some of that is developed. And so God said to Jacob, "Arise and go to Bethel." Now, that's not all he said, is it? What did else did he say to you? Settle, Settle there. Build an altar. Build an altar to who? To God. To, yeah, to God. And God's the one here speaking. And so Jacob Gets his whole household together in preparation for this trip, and uh, excuse me, gotta get this. And so he says to all the camp, uh, "Put away all your foreign gods." So God or Jacob knew that within the camp, not everybody was giving their whole allegiance to God, didn't He he, he had to know something was going on here. He also said, "Purify yourselves." What does that mean? What's he asking them to do? Well, that w- that could be an interesting question. Um, Before the law, right? Before. Well, th- we don't have we don't have all the purification rituals from the law that was given through Moses yet, um, and yet um, I'm sure that the people. Knew about offending God and what would and would not offend God. It would go clear back to pre flood history, Cain and Abel, and carry on forward through their living. He also says to them, Change your garments. So there is some level of get your act together here. We are going in front of the God Most High. And in verse 3, he even says, Let's go up to Bethel and make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distresses and has been with me wherever I have gone. So here is Jacob giving a testimony about how God has interacted with him. In times of great distress and everywhere else that, that he's gone, God has been there with him. What kinds of distress moments might he have been thinking of here? His brother wanting to kill him. His brother wanting to kill him. Laban cheating, Laban cheating him. You know, when he is sent back to find a wife, he's sent back under very different circumstances than Eliezer went on behalf of Abraham to find a wife for Isaac. What did Eliezer have with him? gifts servants camels i mean he went with a bride price jacob's own words were to god later on when i crossed this river before i went i brought my staff now i'm going back with three camps and so jacob didn't start out in the best of situations and where else has jacob been in great distress Remember the prayer he offered up when he heard that Esau was coming to see him? Here's Esau coming with 400 men. Oh God, save me from Esau. (laughs) Uh, He he thought he was in big trouble. And so Jacob is looking back and recognizing that God has been with him wherever he's gone. And so how did the people respond there in verse 4? Jacob said, do these things to get ready to go meet our God. And what did they do? Well, they, they gave him the foreign gods and the rings were which, which were in their ears. And I did some research. I will not say I spent hours and hours and hours and hours, but I worked at it some. I don't know if there's a significance on their earrings. Is there somebody here that knows? Is there something significant about earrings? Now, now, I've met a few people wearing earrings that um, it captured my attention and not in a good way. Can I say it that way? Is that, that a pretty good way of saying it? Um, and, oh my, my, my brain just got filled up with a contractor that worked for me at Wolf Creek for a while. And his wife had made a business out of these rings that you enlarge. And so they're hollow in the center. and. When he first came to me, he said, can I wear these? Well, I'm, he was training people to operate cranes and forklifts. He said, can I wear these? And I went, well, there are times when safety-wise you probably can't have them in. And so he we went through the rules together. And it didn't bother him. He wasn't apologetic about it. But he said, I'm the model for her sales," So he had them everywhere in his ears. But anyway... Uh, you know, you've seen some of that, and I don't know. I don't know if there was something about. The, I don't have any idea what was significant about the earrings, but certainly the idols. It was, and Jacob hid them under the oak, which was near Shechem. <clears throat> um, go back to Genesis twelve six. Let's read that for a moment. Genesis 12, 6. Who's got that? Somebody help me out.
2: Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Morah. Now the Canaanite was
1: then in the
0: land. So this is Abraham in his initial journey into what would become the promised land. And as he gets there, the first place he stops is this oak same basic area an interesting question that we don't have an answer to is this the same big oak tree that Abraham first saw when he came into the land of Canaan or was it a different one it really doesn't matter because uh, it's not very significant but Jacob had these treasures if you want to call them that under the oak which was near Shechem and I'm assuming that that was the end of it. We probably never, nobody ever saw them again unless somebody found them by accident. So in verse 5, it says they journeyed. So they're headed to Bethel. And a great terror came upon the cities which were around them. And they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So what is the source of this great terror? It's clear that there was some possibility they might have pursued the sons of Jacob. It's almost like Jacob is running from the area that he was from. They don't necessarily know that God came and told him to leave. But it looks like Jacob's taking flight maybe. But why did they have the terror? What do you suppose might have been the reason for it? We are guessing a bit or speculating, but there's a couple of reasons it might stand out. How quick would you be to take out after a family who two sons wiped out of town with their swords? Uh, That's a possibility. They weren't afraid of violence in a form of revenge at least, and they were obviously able to come in and take on these men in their weakened condition. Um, the other thing is as Jacob has moved around, he's a big group. And has he been successful? Yes, he has. Is, it, maybe they knew, maybe God put the terror in them, maybe they knew that God was blessing him, but for whatever reason, they were afraid of Jacob to the point that they didn't, nobody pursued. Well, you know, Jacob, and they go, God is with him possibly and the last thing we want to do is have god we we don't know what jacob's uh, reputation was yeah. i mean we certainly saw instances where in isaac's life and abraham's life the people they interacted with became very aware of god because god himself visited and said by the way don't touch sarah yeah. you know there were some of those kinds of interactions I don't know what the, you know, we don't really know, but for whatever reason, they were, they were full of terror, afraid of Jacob. In verse uh, 6, we see that Jacob came to Lutz, which was the old name for Bethel, in Canaan, and all the people who were with him. So the whole group gets moved to Bethel. And when he gets there, he did just as he was instructed, he built an altar and he called the place El Bethel, uh, which means the house of God. And it was because he did this because there God had revealed him to him to him originally when he had fled from his brother Esau. Um, remember back in Genesis 28, we read Jacob's <coughs> vow in verses 20 and 21. What was Jacob's vow? Can you repeat it? Go back and look maybe. Genesis 28, 20 and 21. Okay, so Jacob said, if the Lord will take me safely back to my father's house as a result of the journey I've just begun, then then I'm going to worship him and follow him as God. And we aren't necessarily back to the house specifically of Isaac, but we certainly are back in the land. Has God fulfilled that? One of the things that Jacob said was, I want clothes. (laughs) Does Jacob have clothes? Look at what Jacob is coming back with. God took that request, if you will, that promise of of Jacob that if you bring me back, it just magnified it greatly. And so here is Jacob now back in the land of Isaac, the promised land, and he has been greatly blessed. So... um, Let's uh, huh, now I've got it here planned. I would have included verse 8 in the original reading. Let's read verse 8. We'll just get that out there and talk about it for a minute. This happens while they're at Shechem. Somebody read 358. eight. Now Deborah, nurse died, and she was below Bethel under the oak, and it was named the So Deborah Rebecca's nurse. Um, why is she with them? How did this happen? Who is Rebecca? Who? What's his wife's name? Rachel, Rachel yeah. Who is Rebecca? His
2: mom.
0: His mother's nurse died while they're there at Bethel. And in studying this out, you wind up in a pretty long path in a lot of Jewish tradition. Let's go back to Genesis 27, 43 through 45. And it may give us at least an idea of why she might have been there, and it does fit in with Jewish tradition very well. Genesis 27, 43 to 45. Now, we're we're at the point where the deception of Isaac has occurred and Esau is hiding murderous thoughts in his heart toward Jacob for his own comfort. And let's read twenty-seven forty-three through 45.
2: Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be rept of both of you in one day?
0: Okay, so Rebecca is afraid she's going to lose both her husband and Jacob in the same day because she obviously believes that Esau will carry out his threat if Isaac should pass on. And so she tells Jacob, go. But she also says that she will send for him when after a little while Esau cools off. So she expects Esau to lose this murderous intent which indeed does happen but I don't think Rebecca had any idea it would take 20 years before uh, Jacob would come home. When Jacob leaves Laban from what we have read is it because somebody has come from home and said it's safe now? No. Jewish tradition says Rebecca sent her nurse Deborah, who was originally given to her as a nurse by Laban, so Rebecca would know, or Deborah would know the way back, it would be home country to her. Uh, Jewish tradition says that indeed, Rebecca had sent Deborah back to call Jacob home. Jewish tradition doesn't say a whole lot about when, or any of those things, so how long had Deborah been with Jacob's group, we don't know. There are some things that make me doubt this story to an extent, because when Jacob came home, he wasn't coming home thinking everything was fine with Esau. At least he wasn't by the time he got there, because when he hears Esau's coming with 400 men, he's scared, and he prays to God to be saved from Esau. But Somehow Deborah gets into his troop and there she dies and was buried below the oak at Bethel. And it was named, and I didn't look this name up, <laughs> Alan Bakuth. And I just missed it. I don't know. Does anybody look that up? Know what that might mean? Oak of Weeping. Oak of Weeping. Oak of weeping. So um, there it was a tribute of um bereavement there uh, with regard to its name and uh, Rebecca's nurse was buried there. Let's go ahead and any questions, comments on this first eight verses?
1: She'd have to be pretty old, wouldn't she?
0: You would think so because, yeah, she would have to be.
1: I mean, was she, was she older than Rebecca?
0: Don't know. Don't have any information about, about her and even to some extent what it mean, meant to be a nurse. Rebecca had um, servant girls, um, but we don't know, you know, that this term nurse is probably there to care for physical needs, maybe to care for children in the birthing, if that should occur. Don't know exactly what her role was, don't know what her age would have been when Laban sent her with Rebecca. I shouldn't say Laban, it would have been Laban's father and I forgot his name. Uh, but when Rebecca was sent out with Isaac, uh, um, now it wouldn't have been with Isaac. It would have been with Eliezer, Abraham's servant, to go be the bride of Isaac. Um, don't know. It, and I could roughly put the years together but Jacob wasn't a young man and he wasn't born immediately so she had to have been, by our standards, extremely aged. A um, lot of years have gone by. Uh, Probably something like over a hundred years have gone by, so she would not have been a young woman at that point. If this Deborah is the same nurse, that's another thing I didn't mention. There's a little bit of an if here. This was Deborah, Rebecca's nurse. The only other time in the Old Testament a nurse is mentioned with regard to Rebecca is when she left her father's home. There was a nurse sent, same nurse. We don't know. There was no name given when the nurse was sent out with Rebecca. So, good question. Any other questions? Let's read verses 9 through 13. Who can read that for us?
1: God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Adam Aram <clears throat> Haram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. And God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him.
0: Okay, and so when we look at these verses, um, it says then, God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padam, Iran, and he blessed him. You could make a case that they're referring back to the previous blessing, but there's different words in here, and so I would say this is a second time God has come to him since he came back, and it is here at Bethel, which makes sense with God telling, telling him to go to Bethel And to do these things, it also makes sense with the pillar that Jacob sets up at the end. So God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you're no longer going to be called Jacob. Israel shall be your name. We've heard this before. We heard this the night he wrestled with God before he crossed the the tributary river into the Jordan. And thus he called him Israel. And then God also said to him, I am God Almighty. And just to clear up any questions about that, this is El Shaddai. El is God, and Shaddai is Almighty or Most Powerful, so he's identifying himself as the, God, the highest God. And then he gives him some directions. Be fruitful and multiply. Now, in one sense, Jacob himself with his wives have already been doing this, right? He's got 11 sons, and uh, it, it goes on to say... Um, As as a result of this, a nation and a company of nations shall come from you. And what we hear there then is not only is there a nation going to come from him, you could also have used the word multitude in in terms of company. So a multitude of nations shall come from you. Uh, Let's go read Galatians 3, 26 through 29. Galatians 3, 26 through 29. For you are all sons of God, through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves in Christ. with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs, according to promise. So, I don't know that this is the only way that you could approach this verse, but I think this is one of the best ways to approach this verse. Are you children of Abraham? I hope you say yes. Based on that verse, why would you say, yes, I'm a child of Abraham? Because of Christ. Christ. God made it clear that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through Abraham. And we could continue to look down. And as Abraham is given conversations about kings from God, so too here is Jacob. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the king that came from God is the one that is yet to ascend to the throne of David and that's Jesus himself. But through Christ, all the divisions among nations are wiped away with regard to being children of Abraham and being children of the promise. Because the big promise to Abraham was the blessing of all the nations. Yes, there were promises to Abraham in his offerings that are specific to the Jews that relate to Israel, relate to how God would gather them together in end days. We can look at the book of Revelation and see that things will happen in end times surrounding Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. Israel doesn't fall out of God's promises, but the big promise was Christ Himself. And if we are united with Christ, if we are in Christ, then we are children of Abraham. And so it is a multitude of nations that fall under the promise to Abraham and are now being mentioned in the carrying forward of that promise from Abraham to Isaac, now to Jacob. Questions? Comments? I
1: just, it, this seems like it's got a kind of a, a preview of the Exodus to it.
0: It does have some of that. Yeah.
1: yes you go forth and multiply so i think there's these exodus themes that seem to go through all this but Moses is telling this so i think he's
0: pretty you know it, as we as we were if we were to look forward throughout the history of the old testament and then we have already rolled it into the teachings of the new a bit you know this particular promise comes up in all kinds of contexts and you could you could talk about the context of being brought out as a nation out of Egypt to fulfill the promised land. You could talk about how disappointed God was when they got to the promised land and they followed ten spies who said uh, we, can, we can't take it. You know, This is God promising to Jacob things that those promises were not believed when it came to that time and you could just keep on going throughout history over and over again this promise to Jacob is central to the history of this earth and God's reconciliation of mankind so good point any other any other comments so a nation and a company of nations will come from you and kings shall come forth from you And so look forward to rulers coming out of your offspring, which, of course, there will be many kings, and, of course, David is the epitome of the kings that lived in the Old Testament, and then Christ is the king that will live through eternity still on Jacob's throne. Um, Look at Genesis chapter 17. We're going to read just a couple of verses Verse 6 and verse 17. Genesis 17, verse 6 and 17. This will let us compare the words that he just now said to Jacob to the words he said to Abraham. Genesis seventeen six and 17.
2: I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. 17. 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man a hundred years old? And will Sarah, who is 90, bear a child?
0: Yeah. So we get to see Abraham's response a little bit uh, as they continue through with the story. But the promise to Abraham is very much the same as the promise here to Jacob. And so we're continuing down with that covenant made with Abraham and it includes the land in 12 the land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I give it to you this land to you and to your descendants so this is a promise that's going to go through uh, generations then in verse 13 then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him and so God went away so now let's read uh, Genesis 35 and let's read 16 through 28. I'm sorry. Let's read 14 through 28.
3: And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, he poured out a drink offering on it, and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the, place the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel, when they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel went into labor, and she had <coughs> hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. While Israel lived in the land, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve, the sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, the sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin, the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, <coughs> Dan, and Naphtali, the son, the sons of Zilpah. His servant Gad and Asher, these were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. And Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre and Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. (coughs) 29, yeah, 29, sorry. And Isaac breathed his last, and he died and was gathered to his people, old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him.
0: So as Jacob is finishing up his time at Bethel, after God went up, he set up a pillar in the place where he'd spoke with him. Remember, what did Jacob set up when he was making the covenant with um, Laban? Do you remember? (coughs) Laban piled up stones, but Jacob set up a pillar. And so this is Jacob's characteristic way of recognizing a covenant. And so he set up a pillar of stone and he poured out a drink offering on it. Don't know what that was, most likely one of the wines. And he also poured oil on it. So Jacob is um, sanctifying, if you will, that pillar. And Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel, which means house of God. We already said that before. And so Jacob commemorates this conversation with God. And so then they journeyed from Bethel. And when he was still some distance to go from Ephrath Eprath is a name for what town? We saw it a little later in the reading. Bethlehem. Bethlehem. It's the old name for Bethlehem. Rachel began to give birth. And it was a severe labor. And in this severe labor, the midwife says to her, "Uh, Don't fear now, for you have another son. And so just as she was in the moments of dying, when her soul was departing, that she named him Ben-Onai, but his father called him Benjamin. Ben-Oni uh, means son of my sorrow. Benjamin means son of my right hand. So uh, Jacob alters his name a bit to fit how he viewed the boy. And Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And so Jacob sets up a pillar over her grave and that pillar of Rachel's grave—that is a pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. So now, if you go back and think about what's going on, as this is being written, it's in the Exodus, and they are aware of this pillar, obviously, that's there. And uh, Moses makes reference to the fact it's still there. So we know this is this is a part of the evidence of the truth of what he's saying. And so Jacob loses Rachel to death. On the trip from Bethel, headed for the area of Bethlehem. In verse 21, in Israel, notice that this is one of the first times where Jacob is called Israel in the text. Then Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the Tower of Eder. And there's no real specific thing that I can bring to you that says, this is where the Tower of Eder was. But it's likely a lookout tower somewhere near Bethlehem. They would put up lookout towers to look for um, things amiss. Could have been people wanting to steal a flock, but also it very easily could have been watching for packs of wolves and things like that that would be a danger to their flocks. <coughs> and so uh, that's where he stops and pitched his tent was probably near Bethlehem, And it came about, verse 22, that while Israel was dwelling in the land that Reuben, Reuben is his firstborn, uh, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Bilhah was Rachel's maid. Don't know what Rachel's death might have had to do with Reuben being this bold. But, and we'll talk about it considerably more when we get on in Genesis. But let's look at Genesis 49, 3 and 4. This is Jacob's deathbed or near deathbed uh, description and wishes and blessings and whatever for his sons. And uh, so let's, let's go look at, at that. Genesis 49, Now, before we read it, let me bring up one more thing. Um, Remember the big deal about Jacob and Esau, why that blessing from Isaac was so important? Because the firstborn, which would have been Esau, got a much enhanced, special, richer blessing, became the head of the family uh, than the other offspring. And so just keep that in mind, that that the firstborn gets a very different kind of blessing. Um, But let's read 3 and 4 from Genesis 49.
2: You are my firstborn, my might, and in the beginning of my strength. Preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. Uncontrollable as water. Then you defiled it. He went up to my
1: couch.
0: What did Jacob just say about Reuben? You knew about it and too bad for you. <laughs> too bad for you. You, are, you do not get the preeminence that would come from being the firstborn. Go over to First Chronicles 5, verses 1 and 2. First Chronicles 5, verses 1 and 2. First Chronicles 5 1 and 2. Who's got that for us? Now, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of
1: Israel, for he was firstborn, but because he defiled his father's dead, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, so that he is not enrolled in the genealogy according to the birthright. So Judah prevailed over his brothers, and him came the leader, he had the birthright <clears throat> Okay.
0: Um, It goes on, I didn't realize this, in verse 3, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, were Hanok and Pelu. and it goes on and and tells who his offspring were. But so (laughs) Reuben paid a price for his indiscretions. That's a really weak word for it, isn't it? For violating his father's relationship with Rachel's handmaiden that was given to him. And if we went back and looked at the words Back in the day when that was done, they called them wives. Now, there was clearly a differentiation, but they had the status of wives. So this is one of those ugly sins that's mentioned about the family that God picked to found the nation Israel and to be the children of the promise. But there were definitely consequences for Reuben as a result of his behavior. In verse 22... The last half of it starts with, now there were 12 sons of Jacob. And it goes on to list the sons. And out of Leah we get Reuben, who was the firstborn but lost that privilege. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. And it says, we just got through reading some verses, that Judah became kind of the dominant one. And we'll see more why when we get to the story of Joseph. And then Rachel had Joseph, and then late in life Benjamin, We just got through looking at that. Benjamin is the only one born outside of the household of Laban, uh, at least in that area. And then Bilhah, Rachel's maid, uh, was a mother for Dan and Naphtali. And then Leah's maid was a mother of Gad and Asher. And so uh, with the exception of Benjamin, all of these sons were born in Padan Aram. And then in verse 27, it says that Jacob went to see Isaac at Mamre of Kirith Arba, which is Hebron. And that this was in the area that Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. So in all of their travels around, this is where Jacob meets back up with Isaac. Isaac is now 180 years old. He breathes his last. And he is, in the words of the scriptures, gathered to his people. This is the way they often talked about the death of, of people of the promise. He was an old man. The New American Standard translates that ripe old age. Does anybody else have, have the different words? That word ripe could easily be transferred as a satisfying old age. In other words, there, you know, it's, a, it's a full life, we might say today. And so we see Esau and Jacob back together to lay their father to rest. And this was about in the circa, so not exactly, but in this general range, of 1885 uh, BC. So almost 2,000 years, almost 1,900 years before Christ comes on the scene. This, um, in the end of the era of. Isaac is seen here. Questions? Comments?
2: I think it's kind of interesting that um, Abraham, Isaac lived so long after he thought he was going to die and gave the blessing.
0: Yeah, he thought it could be any time, better hurry. (laughs) <laughs> wasn't wasn't in a hurry where we <laughs> you know that that reminds me of of uh the biblical statement that you know our days are numbered we don't know the number but our our days are numbered and um, you know there's there's a all kinds of situations in life where you hear about people that thought thought they were done or started their careers after they were retired in in ways that you might recognize so yeah, we, we don't know, do we? Um, and many people live with a fair amount of infirmity in their later years and are still very productive for the kingdom of God. <clears throat> if you notice when you read the uh, the scriptures, there is no spiritual retirement plan. You are never done as long as you're breathing, serving the living God. It may ch- the way you serve Him may change, but you're never done serving the living God. If you're if you're if you belong to Christ. Good point. Any other questions, comments, thoughts?
2: Doesn't this chapter twenty-eight take us back to the vow that Jacob made of it, him and Esau coming back together?
0: I would have to look. So I don't remember the words of the vow that he made when they were together. <clears throat> um, so. Which verse? Um,
2: In chapter...
0: 33? I'm sorry. 28 verse... Oh, oh. Oh, go back to the vow that he made when he was leaving. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. This is a fulfillment of that vow. And, And that's really seen most strongly when he's back at Bethel. And, I mean, it's kind of full circle. He made the vow at Bethel. God calls him back to Bethel. And... Um, I'm not going to say that that was the actual end of that vow but um, that certainly is something we can look at and see that God richly blessed him and Abraham, I'm sorry, and Jacob was back seeing that vow that he made fulfilled to to honor God and one of the things that's interesting about that is um, a part of that vow Jacob said he would, or Israel said he would give God a tenth we never see that carried out that I'm aware of. We may find it and it may be in a verse somewhere that I just don't remember right now, but um, I'm, I don't doubt that he did, but it's just something that doesn't get recorded that I recall. Did I answer your question? Okay.
2: Do you know how old Rachel was when she died?
0: Um, we could figure it out to, to an extent because of Isaac's age, Um, If I were to just put some quick numbers together. Well, we don't know how Rachel was, old she was when she married Jacob. The general belief is that she was mid-teens or maybe late teens, something like that. So if you just started that she was 20, um, Jacob had been gone 20 years. uh, So she wasn't very old. I mean, that would put her in her 40s or 50s somewhere when when this occurred. Depending on how much time it took for all these events we've been reading about in the last few chapters to occur, you know how long did they stay um, before the situation with Dinah occurred it isn't really mentioned. It sounds like about the time they get there to Shechem that Dinah goes visiting, but we don't know that. Um, and so, you know, but she what she did not have the long years that many of the other people in these stories had. Anything else? All right. let me close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for showing us how you've cared for Jacob. (coughs) How a man chased by his brother in a sense, or at least fearful of his brother for his own life could go and be gone for 20 years and come back having left with only a staff and now three camps of people, offspring he clearly cared for, and this this entourage that you have assembled, and the testimony of Jacob that everywhere he went, every trouble he had, you were right there with him. Lord, that testimony would be true for us as well, but sometimes we forget it. Lord, remind us, while we may not have the special promises of Jacob, We have even better promises that you would never leave us nor forsake us in the scriptures. We have the promises of Jesus himself that he's away preparing a place for us and that he's going to call us to him. Lord, remind us day by day, minute by minute, that you are walking with us, that you are protecting us, and that you are there ready to carry us through whatever we may have to face. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.